can relate to that song written a couple decades ago about the Christmas time being a time where you remember that like there's just something about Christmas and relationships, the good ones that you cuddle up with, the things are good and great, let's have cocoa, and other ones where when you look back, and you think about uh, a decision that was made, something you said, uh, a relationship that got a little tense. Uh, how many of you just wish you could kind of like an etch-a-sketch? The beautiful thing about this is just in a moment, you can clean the slate. You can, can make it all clear. Uh, now, some of you may want to just go back, and when it comes to relationship, you may just want to shake them. You don't matter whether, whether it makes things clear or better, you just, you just want to, you know, give, give them the what for. But that's the beautiful thing about the Etch-A-Sketch is that it gives you a clean slate, a fresh start, and everything's back to normal. It just, with a little bit of effort, just a little bit of effort, not much effort at all. What a cool Christmas gift that's actually making a little bit of a resurgence these days. Uh, what I want to talk to you about today has to do with um, this Etch-A-Sketch-like reality that actually is the whole reason for Christmas. When we say, um, you don't take the Christ out of Christmas, or Jesus is the reason for the... We obviously know that Jesus wants to be the central theme of Christmas, but really the whole story of Christmas is wrapped up in a word that isn't the name Jesus, although Jesus brought this gift to us. The whole season of Christmas is wrapped around this word, and it's, it's a word that is complex. It's a word that can bring tension. It's a word that we, seems easy to understand, but it's a little harder to deliver. And it's this word, if you're taking notes, write it down, reconciliation. Now, the idea of reconciliation in an accounting term is like bringing things to balance. When you reconcile a checkbook, you make sure that what you have in the register is the same as what you have in the actual bank. And you bring to balance, you reconcile the checkbook, bring things back to normal. And this whole idea of Christmas and why Jesus came was not just to be a baby in a manger so we could sing songs about it. He came to bring us the gift of reconciliation. Paul the apostle who was killed for his faith, who wrote more of our Bible in the New Testament than any other author inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's writing a letter to a church family in, in the, the area called Colossae. And in this letter to the Colossians there in Colossae, he almost gives us a little bit of an of a insight into Christmas. It's not your traditional Christmas scripture, but it's very much Christmas related. Colossians 1, 19 through 22, here's what Paul writes. He says, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus. To dwell, all his fullness would dwell in Jesus. And through him, through Jesus... To reconcile to himself all things, to bring back to normal, to balance the books, all things. Paul goes on to say, whether things on earth, that's why Jesus came, came to earth, to, left heaven's throne to become a very, the, the very nature of a servant, come to reconcile things on earth or reconcile things in heaven by making peace, peace on earth and mercy mild through his blood shed on the cross. He came for reconciliation. He didn't came for, for recognition. It, had he come for recognition, although we're recognizing him today, 
If he came for recognition, he would have came down like in a golden stork and a golden diaper onto the foot onto the the, the foot uh, the footsteps right leading to the porch of the of the temple or the or the palace. But instead, he's behind the scenes in a cabinet maker's home, born in a barn, really born in a cave. When you understand the the real geography of the whole thing, so if if Christmas is all about reconciliation, and if you're taking notes today, I'm going to give you three if statements, what if moments today. We're going to break this message up into three what ifs, and they have to do, if Christmas is all about reconciliation, the first question I want you and I to ask ourselves today is this, what if, what if I'm not experiencing the very thing I'm celebrating? So like, what if you're, going through Christmas and you're hanging ornaments on the tree and you're wrapping presents and you're thinking about eggnog and yet the whole idea of Christmas is reconciliation yet you're not experiencing reconciliation with somebody. That you, you have a relationship that is on tilt. You have a relationship that is twisted. There's a relationship that's been in problems for a while. And here's the crazy thing about Christmas. When everything is merry and bright and fun and joyous and we're singing more up, up, upbeat songs, it's like it brings out all this relational tension because what we're celebrating, I'm not really experiencing. Take, for example, picking out a Christmas card for people that you know. You go to Walmart and you look at the cards and, and there's some that you could give, you could give any card to because relationship is good. But then you start going down the list and you're buying cards for people that, that there's, a, there's, a, there's a chasm or there's a problem. Uh, and you know you need to send a card because it's the right thing to do and you're going to choose a card. And so your first card that you come up with, it says, uh, in your heart love, in your life joy, in your world peace. And you're like, I don't want to send that to them because really I don't want them to have a whole lot of joy and peace. <laughs> well, I'm not feeling the love today. So you put that card back and the very next card you pick up is like wishing you all the best at Christmas. You're like, I'm not wishing them, the, I'm, wishing them th I'm wishing hemorrhoids on them for Christmas. Because you got some issues with this relationship. So instead, you, you, don't, you don't like get any kind of flowery Christmas card. You end up getting the, you know, the, the, the blank Christmas card with just a Christmas tree on it. And then you write as best, uh, uh, you know, truthfulness as you can in the card. I can't believe it's Christmas again, period. Sincerely, John, Susie, Tom, and Jerry. It was early this morning. I don't know why I put Tom and Jerry. I was thinking of old, uh, old cartoons, I guess. Like choosing a card, you have to deal with emotions you may have not thought you had to deal with. And then how many of you are the kind of people that when it gets to the Christmas season, you are all about the Christmas music? Anybody? Like some of you, like August 27th started Christmas music for you, you know? Like what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Nevertheless, even when we're singing songs, like this is how worship can be sometimes. When we sing a song worship, we're singing words, what we're experiencing is different than what we're singing. And that, and that tension there can be exposed at Christmas time. We sing songs like, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light, but it doesn't feel very light. From now on, your troubles will be out of sight. Oh yeah, not really, because my trouble is my ex and we're, we're gonna have to spend some time together at Christmas. 
Like, like you have to deal with this. Doesn't get any better that the author of this song goes into the bridge and the bridge says, here we are, as in olden days, like the good old days, happy golden days of your. That's not spelled wrong. Your is just like a, an old word that means old memories. Faithful friends who are dear to us gather near to us once more. But yet it could be that the faithful friends were unfaithful. And gathering near, there's now distance. Here's another one we sing. We wish you a Merry Christmas. And I love how creative this author is. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. Millions of dollars made on that song. We, like, like what in the world? Just say it over and over and over and over and over and over again. The bridge on this song too, or the next verse in this song, is, is a little wild. You may not have uh, heard this one before unless you've sung it through a few different times. And it's, and it's this. Oh, bring us a figgy pudding. Oh, bring us a figgy pudding. Oh, bring us a figgy pudding and a cup of good cheer. Now, now it used to say a cup of good cheer. We've recently said, and, and bring it right here. It's because we were trying to, you know, like make it PG. Don't bring me any alcohol. Just, you know, bring me figgy pudding. So, but I'm going to tell you what, you probably need a cup of good cheer when you're trying to eat figgy pudding because that's what it looks like. You guys remember, you guys remember your grandma's Renews It air freshener that was on the back of the toilet? that looked like a cone and it would go up. Some of you are like, Grandma, I got it right now. You're awesome. Like, they still sell them at the Dollar General. Like, that looks like the stuff inside the cone. Don't bring me some figgy pudding. Bring me a chocolate pie. Thank you. We just sang it today with the worship band. Words, hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king and the next words we sang together. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners, what? Reconcile. It's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. And we can sing songs like this and be okay with it. But, but, but what, what, about, what about the idea of you and others reconciled? See, because God did not come to reconcile just him and you. He came to reconcile him and you so you could reconcile with others. It's not enough just to know Jesus deeply. In fact, Jesus makes it clear when he's asked a question by the Pharisees, what's the most important thing? What's the greatest thing? What, they say it like this, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Okay, that's reconciliation with God and man. Love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But he doesn't stop there. He says, and the second is like it. Like the second commandment is critically important. You really won't know the first commandment well enough. You won't even be able to accomplish the first commandment if you're not following the second commandment. And the second commandment's like it. And it's this. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul. No, it's love your neighbor as yourself. Second greatest commandment. So we hear that and we say that's good. Merry Christmas. But Jeremy... This is, this is a good sermon. It's probably the best sermon I've ever heard in my life. Just, Jeremy, you're just, you're just so good. But, <laughs> you're, you're not saying that. I'm, okay, I'm kidding. But this is when you begin the pushback. This is, when we have a, this is when we have a pushback between 
um, what we know is right for other people, and that's all well and good, but you don't quite understand the emotional relational rift that I went through with that person. You don't know what's at stake that was broken or crushed. You don't, you don't quite get what I went through. And so we hear this and we agree with it, but we also give ourselves our own defense. We, we, it's like we step in front of the judge and we lay out our defense about why this really doesn't apply to me and that relationship. It applies to everybody else. They ought to get things right. But when it comes to me, like, you, you don't understand. And here are some of the things we put in our defense. Here's, here's how we make a good defense towards not reconciling with people. We start with, number one, it was all their fault. And then we pause for a second. We say, well, okay, wait, wait. it wasn't all their fault. It was almost it was almost all their fault, like 99-1, 99%, I apologize for the 1%, but you know, I'm human. But 99% was all their fault. So why should I even reconcile? It's all their fault. Number two, they have never taken a legitimate first step. They're the ones that hurt me. They should be the ones to try and make it right. I'm right here. I didn't move. I did not go anywhere. They got my email. They got my tech. They got my phone number. They, they, they can make things right. They haven't taken a legitimate first step. They probably, they might not even know that their words cut so deep. And they haven't even taken a first step to realize that and admit it. That's my defense. That's why I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to reconcile. Number three, the cost is too high. Like, 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 like they, they could not possibly put the pieces back together. Damage has already been done. It's just time to let bygones be bygones and move on. What's done is done. It's broken. And, and, and it's, it just costs. <sighs> the emotions to have to try and go through that is just too high. I just, can't, I just can't even right now. I just can't. Number four, I already tried. I already tried. I already tried to talk to them. And they don't even care. They won't even reciprocate. It's all me. It's none them. And I didn't even do it in the first place. So no, I know it's God and sinners reconciled, but me and them, me and Frank, not so much. So second what if. If Christmas is all about reconciliation, and it is. If Christmas is all about reconciliation, God with us by sending his son. What if I'm withholding the very thing we're celebrating? So like, it's not even about what if I'm not experiencing it. What if, I'm not, what if I'm holding it back, what I should be celebrating? Because when you think of the defense, there's no excuse. There's no excuse to hold it back. In fact, when you look at God and sinners reconciled, you may want to write this down. God had every single one of those excuses not to reconcile with us. Like he had every excuse not to reconcile with you or with me. Now let's go back through those for a second. It was almost all their fault. Okay, well, let's, let's look between God and us, okay? When God decided to send Jesus, the most valuable treasure in heaven, his one and only, to earth to pay the ultimate price for our sin, okay? It was almost all their fault. If you were to take that into the court of law and you had a jury and, and there were two parties involved, it was God versus humanity, and we were trying to figure out as a jury what percentage of fault God had and what percentage of fault humanity had, 
Like who, who's to really blame here by why we are where we are and why we need reconciliation? The percentage would come out a little bit like this. 0% God's fault, 100% our fault. That's kind of the, that's the statistics. See, God like gave us a garden at the beginning. It was lush. It was beautiful. It was like, like ribeyes grew on trees. It was amazing. You walk around naked, not even worry about getting thorns anywhere. You had, whoa, man, woman, and you had Adam, and things were good. And then we wanted to be on the throne instead of God. We, we kind of wanted to question whether God really should have the last say. And so because the fruit looked pleasing, because it was good for being as smart as God, we thought, we took it and we ate, and we are 100% at fault. At that point, God could have wiped us out. But even then, he begins this, the same story of us falling short of him providing a way out. Us falling short, him providing a way out. Even in Romans, we see it here. Paul says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here's the deal. It's not like we've all fallen short because we have all fallen short. The scripture says when it's correctly translated, all have sinned and fall short. Like not only did we sin, but there's gonna be stuff in the future where you fall short of the glory of God. So it was not just almost all our fault. It was all our fault. And yet God came through. That scripture we started with in Colossians, it goes on to say, see, once you were alienated from God. That, that's the garden. That's when sin separates us from God. And, we, and we're enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. It wasn't the evil behavior of God that separated us. It was our evil behavior. Look, I can look back on my past and I can remember some evil behavior. I can look on my life and I see where even growing up in church and knowing what the scripture said, I still went against what scripture said. Like I, I, I'm without excuse. And that alienates me from God. But Paul goes on to say, but now he's what? Reconciled. Say it again. He has you by Christ's physical body, the, the physical body of, of death, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Now, we love this because when we sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And so when we fail, we say, God, forgive me. And you know what he does? He forgives you. And some of you, you don't walk in that freedom. You, don't, you, you walk in guilt and shame and regret, and you keep reliving those sins when God is forgiven. And you don't, you don't need to, like, once you've asked God to forgive you, he's not saying, okay, but, like, <laughs> you better do this A, B, C, D. He gives you a clean slate. He wipes the Etch-a-Sketch clean. But sometimes we want to carry those things and, and walk in guilt. Um, but we're so thankful for the free from accusation. But why is it so hard for us to readily embrace free from accusation with God? But then it's not so easy to free that person from accusation. It's, it's easier received than it is given during this Christmas season. It's almost always our fault. God could have used that. Number two, God could have said, well, they've never taken a legitimate first step. Yet you see in, in the word of God, at just the right time when we were still powerless, 
Another translation says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't wait for you to take a next step or even a first step. He knew you weren't capable of taking enough steps to make things right. The message paraphrase uh, version says it like this. Christ arrives right on time to make this thing happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He takes the first step, in other words. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And maybe that's how you are seeing the other person that you need to reconcile with. They're just rebellious and they're weak. They don't listen to anything. Paul goes on to say, and even if we hadn't been powerless or even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We just aren't wise enough. We're wise in our own eyes, but we're not wise enough to know the God thing to do unless God gives us that thing to do. We just didn't have it in us. Any of you have little kids that when they were little, they'd get upset and they'd pout and they'd cross their arms and they'd go to their room and slam the door. And as a parent... You know, when they're three, you're not like, well, you're not eating until you make things right. No, you go to the, you go to the room and you open the door. You say, come here, come sit, come sit next to daddy. Come sit next to mom. Let's talk about this. Well, you know what? You take the first step, don't you, mom? Don't you, dad? You know why? Because you love them. Because you love them. You know they're not smart enough to take the first step on their own. They're not wise enough. They're not mature enough. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. If they're 34 and they're living at home and they're leaving the living room and they're slamming the door, that's tougher. It's tougher to open the door, sit by daddy, let's talk. We get it when they're young. It's tougher when they're older and they've got their own responsibilities and we're all trying to be mature here. But still, age doesn't matter when it comes to what God did for us in taking the first step. You may want to write this down. I may never be more like Jesus than when I take the first step towards reconciliation with others. What a beautiful way to become more like Jesus himself, when you're willing to surrender the hurt, surrender the last word in edgewise, and offer the first step. In our defense, we say the cost is too high. They can't possibly put the pieces back together. And I want you to think about the cost that it, that it was for God to send his son. Paul already said it to us. We've read it together, but let's look at it again. For God was pleased. He was pleased. He, he wasn't um, hesitant. He wasn't anxious. He was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through Jesus, through him, to balance the books, reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through a well-crafted email... No. A, a Christmas card at Christmas time, a gift, just a little letter that says, nah, it's okay. Let bygones be bygones. Did he send us a 
vague, passively aggressive Facebook post. They don't even know what they did. But I'm going to be the bigger person. I forgive them for being an idiot. I got to move on with my life. It is unhealthy for me and my kids to continue on in this manner. So I'm going to be the bigger person here. <laughs> I'm going to be the bigger person than this chump. And I'm going to forgive them because Jesus told me to forgive them. So you know who you are. I forgive you. Hashtag not subtle. No, no, it wasn't, it, it wasn't easy. It was a cost that there's no way you could pay it. It was his blood shed on the cross. Like God so loved us, he reconciled by giving his only son. When we can back up, and in that same defense, realize that Jesus had every reason not to make things right with us. But he did it anyway. What a Savior. What a God. I know, Jeremy, and this all sounds good. And I agree with everything you're saying today. I really, I really do. But I've already tried. I've already tried. I tried to be the bigger person. I tried to take the first step. I, I even admitted fault, even when I really don't know if it was my fault, but I just took the blame anyway. I tried. I tried it already. And they don't care. They won't, they won't own their part. They won't reciprocate. And I just can't go back to the table. I just can't do it again. I'm tired of being vulnerable. I'm tired of offering the reconciliation. And I just want to remind us of Jesus one more time. God never withdraws his offer of reconciliation. God, while we were still sinners, there was no guarantee that we would respond to his offer. And yet it's still on the table. I mean, let's be honest. Some of us put God in the rearview mirror and ran. You ran. And maybe... Even today, God's still in the rear view. I just want you to know that even if you walked into this room mentally, emotionally, spiritually, arms crossed, shoulders shrugged, God's in the rear view. <laughs> His offer's still on the table. He, he doesn't wait for you to earn anything. Because you just can't. You couldn't. It's the gift of Christmas. Balanced books that you could not balance on your own. The old song, he paid the debt. I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And that's what Jesus did. So, let's look at this. The Christmas offer, Christmas season... Beyond just saying Emmanuel, God with us. Beyond just saying, hark the herald angels sing. Beyond just knowing Jesus is the reason for the season. We need to know that reconciliation is the reason for Jesus coming to earth. So the Christmas offer in a nutshell, and to get a little bit more Christmassy for you. The Christmas offer in a chestnut shell. 
is basically wrapped up like this. It's those, four, it's those four things, but here's the deal. God came when we did not deserve it. He did, you don't deserve it. You could never earn it. He took the first step when we could not or would not. It cost him more than we could ever, ever, ever repay. And he still offers it when we refuse to receive it. And you've refused and refused, but I want to tell you, the offer stands. Reconciliation for all. So, the third what if. If reconciliation, if Christmas is all about reconciliation, what if we could demonstrate what we celebrate? See, we haven't been experiencing reconciliation Maybe we've been withholding reconciliation. But what if we could demonstrate reconciliation this Christmas? Here's what that would look like. If you really want to demonstrate some reconciliation in a relationship today, number one, between you and God, there's nothing you could ever do other than surrender to him. That's all he asks, surrender to him. Confess that he is Lord of your life and Savior. Believe on him and you'll be saved. That's all, because you can't earn it. You can't, there, there's no naughty and nice list with God. It's all have sinned and fall short. But in the goodness and greatness and holiness of God, everybody's able to receive that gift. Jesus ain't like Santa, where if you're naughty, you don't get on the list, you don't get the gift. In fact, we're all naughty. And he gives you the gift. You just have to receive it. So here's how you demonstrate that reconciliation. Number one, you make the first move. You make the first move. You're willing to, to talk to that person. And, and, and the second one actually is probably more important than the first. Had I, could I go back, I probably would have swapped these, but the, the PowerPoint was already made, and so we're going to do it this way. Make the first move, but really what ought to be the, the first, first move is handle it with humility. Like, you have to take the approach of humility. Humility is the hallmark attitude of a Christ follower. You cannot be prideful and truly be following Jesus. Can't do it. It's impossible. You know why? Because the Bible says God stiff arms the proud. He opposes them. And guess what? People will oppose the proud too. So if you will handle it with humility, humble yourself, make the first move, and offer reconciliation. See, Handle with humility, we could say, look, I'm here to meet with you. You burned me. You know what you did. I'm not even going to go through all of it because Jesus doesn't want me to. But you know you know what I'm talking about. So I'm here to kind of like throw the olive branch, whatever. I'm here to reconcile. And I just want to make it right because, you know, this is, way, this is what Christmas is all about. I'm sorry. You handle it with humility. And here's what you got to remember through all this. You got to remember this. You own the offer, not the result. See, 
there's a difference between reconciliation and restoration. Not all relationships will be restored even if you offer reconciliation. God's best at restoration. He can do those things, but that has to be both people. Their response should not, should not determine your willingness to offer. You own the offer, not the result. And you know, it doesn't have to be this formal thing. Will you meet me at Starbucks and I, I need to, to, I want to offer you the olive branch of reconciliation. It could be, hey, we haven't talked in a while. You want to go to Christmas services with me at Timber Creek? Bring your kids. You want to come together? Hey, I know we haven't talked in a while. Hey, you want to you try and get together and, and talk? You know, maybe in your invite challenge that we gave everybody last week, and there's more in the lobby if you want to take this challenge with us, we said three, two, one Christmas invite challenge that last week, week three, we would just pray for three people. Week two, we're inviting you to do an act of kindness for the three people on your list. Just, you know, make some brownies. If your brownies are terrible, that's not an act of kindness. Okay, like, <laughs> go buy brownies, right? But, but give them some brownies, an invite card, you know, whatever. Like week two is just about an act of kindness. Next week will be about just invite them. But maybe, maybe just using this kind of deal, you could do an act of kindness and begin the process of offering reconciliation. So I want to leave you with this, this question that's important for all of us to consider. Who do I need to reach out to before December 25th? Now notice I said, not, I didn't say, who do I need to reconcile with? Because you own the offer, not the result. So who do I just need to reach out to? Maybe there's one name. Maybe that name is dad. Maybe it's a son, maybe it's a daughter. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's an ex-spouse. Maybe it's your spouse. But be like Jesus. And when you don't have the power, he gives us the strength when we don't have the strength to do it. Would you pray with me this morning? All heads bowed and all eyes closed. Look over your heart, look over your life, look over, do spiritual inventory of your relationships for a moment. And I wanna say to you, it is in that order. You really cannot have reconciliation with others until it's God and sinners reconciled. And if you're here and you need to make things right with Jesus, his offer stands. Great is his faithfulness. And if you say today, Jeremy, I need to make things right with God. I need to surrender to him today. For the first time or the first time in a while, if that's you, I want to pray with you. But I, you need to be honest with yourself and God today. You say, Jeremy, would you lead me in a prayer of surrender to God today? I need to recommit or commit my life to God. If that's you, put a hand up in the air right now. Thank you. Anybody else, quickly. Okay. In your own words, you would...
pray with me like this. Jesus, thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for sending, coming to earth, Jesus, and paying the price of reconciliation that I could not pay. Lord, I've drifted. I've not been where I want to be. I keep on making the same mistakes and I, I don't do what I ought to do and then I, and then I do what I ought not to do and I just don't have the strength to fix it on my own. Would you, would you wipe the slate clean today? Give me a fresh start. Bring things back to normal. Thank you, God, that you're not mad at me not holding these things against me, but you've offered reconciliation when I have nothing else to offer except my surrender to you. And I receive it today in Jesus' name. Help me to take next steps towards you, Lord. Thank you. Eyes closed still, you're here, and you can think of a relationship between you and others that that it may seem like only a miracle can fix it, but you are hoping for rest, reconciliation. If that's you, I want to pray. If that's you, would you put a hand up? There's a relationship that there's some reconciliation that needs to take place. Yeah, many, many hands, many hands. God, I feel the hearts of people today. Oh, the challenges and the roadblocks and the, the bridges that got burned and the idea of walking back up to that burning bridge and trying to extinguish those flames and rebuild Whew, feels really big but you are really big you're really able and so God we are just going to take some next steps and we're going to stand at that bridge and we're going to invite you to do what only you can do and we're going to try and be like you and offer the first step Come on, let's receive that this morning. Father, thank you in advance. Thank you in advance for what you're going to do in relationships in this room. We thank you that you, your promise still stands great as your faithfulness. And that we can stand on your promises of reconciliation. We receive those today in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Come on, put your hands together for those that made a decision to reconcile with God today. So proud of you. So thankful for you. In just a moment, we're going to receive our offering. And if you made a decision to commit or recommit your life, on the, on the back of that card, there's a, there's a red strip and it says, I'm committing my life to Christ. I'm recommitting my life. We, we'd like to help you take next steps. That's it. And so you just check mark that. We want to do whatever we can to serve you in that process drop that in the offering plate we're going to give but but i, I want to remind us of a couple things before just a housekeeping moment and we'll end with worship a few weeks ago i gave you this statement from william carey modern day missionary he says we've got to attempt great things for god we also got to expect great things from god and as a church we're just not satisfied with the status quo until jesus comes back until heaven is full Growth is not optional. So we want to continue to be growing. And God has grown this location uh, dra drastically. So, some of the largest growth we've ever 
had, especially in the last two decades. God has been faithful. And our next step of growth is in our location in Nacogdoches. And we're already secured the location there at North Street and the Northview Plaza next to the AMC and the bowling alley and the bar. We're going to fit right in. We're going to fit right in. And CeCe's Pizza. It's all good. It's all good. And a tanning salon. So, like, if you want to get tan, if you want to eat pizza, if you want to get Jesus, if you want to watch a movie, if you want to bowl, then you got a great place. If you want to go to the bar, go. let's, get, let's go to Cafe Aroma. <laughs> That's a great idea. But this, we haven't built this out. We've secured the location, but we're hoping to build this lobby and Cafe Aroma that we hope that after a few months will be open during the week. Kids space. I wish I could show you all the pictures of our kids space. Uh, worship center that will hold 350. Um, I believe we're going to already be in two services once we launch because not only do we want you to serve a service and attend a service, but we have so many people traveling from Nacogdoches already and the best is yet to come. In order to do this, we're going to borrow some resources. In order to borrow resources, we have to vote on something like that. If you've gone through Starting Point or you were a member before Starting Point, uh, you're eligible to be a part of that. And last week I told you we were going to have an informational meeting. But as I met with my staff, because I did that like on the fly and I didn't even tell our team. And then my team said, have you seen the calendar of all these things that are going on? Those, you, you've already bumped up against all these different meetings. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to combine all of that into one meeting and on Sunday night, December 16th at 5 p.m., I'm going to cast the vision one more time. I've been casting it for two years. If you don't get it, I don't know what to tell you. But, but I'm going to cast the vision. I'm going to answer, I'm going to answer probably all, I'm going to answer every question that could be asked. I'm going to answer every question. And then we're going to, as a body, not just as a pastor, but as a body, we're going to say together um, whether or not, yes, let's go, or God has something different. Uh, I have a, a strong sense that uh, we, that God has already led us on where to go. We just need to formalize that through a process. And so Sunday night, 5 p.m., we'll have a resolution to borrow some money. That resolution is available in the lobby. You can get it at the kiosk if you're interested in uh, what that says before we meet on Sunday. Um, or you can read about it on Sunday night next week at 5 But I'm excited about what God is doing next, aren't you? We want to attempt great things for God. But we also need to expect great things from God. And so I wanted to give that little housekeeping item. I will tell you, there's another thing I want you to attempt for God. If you've not been serving on a team, Christmas time is a perfect time to like dip your toe in the water. And we have something called OneServe. And OneServe is where you can go to TimberCreekChurch.com or you can go to the Timber Creek Church app. And you can just click on Christmas and you can go Christmas one serve and you can sign up that if you're not on a dream team right now, we can get you on like no strings attached. Why don't you dip your toe in the water and serve at one of our five English services or two Spanish services? We also this coming Wednesday night have two Christmas services at the Dieball Correctional Center and all 518 inmates are coming because we're bringing food for, for them. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to present the message of Jesus, and many of them are going to get saved. Many of them are going to recommit their lives to Christ. So there's an opportunity for you to serve somewhere. And now we come with an opportunity for you to worship one more time with us. Before we go into our Monday through Friday, would you stand with me? Stay where you are, but stand where you are. We get to worship him through singing this song, but also through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Thank you for being faithful. You cannot outgive God. You can't.
You can do more with the money when you put God in charge of it than you could do when you're in charge of it. And the way you put God in charge of your finances is putting him first in your finances. So let's pray. Father, bless this offering. Bless these connect cards and prayer requests and commitment cards and all the, God, we just thank you for reconciliation.